All right, everybody. Uh, two months ago, we had on Tommy Breedlove, and I'm sure as you guys remember, it was just one of my favorite conversations I've had all year. And at the end of that, you might have heard me say, Tommy, we need to come back on and talk about this. So, Tommy, welcome back on for our second episode this year. So thankful, grateful to be here. Oh, my gosh. We've had the best 40-minute conversation pre here. So let's get this party started, my brother. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, we're sitting here, guys. Everywhere. We're just chatting and laughing and catching up. And we realize it's been 40 minutes. We probably should have hit record at some point. <laughs> but here's why I asked Tommy back on. Well, first of all, I was in an online conference about doing book launches. My book is coming out. Tommy has an amazing book that's come out called Legendary. That's what we were talking about last time. But Tommy, you said something in that conference. It was like two cents and it was just so transformational. I said, I need to have him on the podcast. And Tommy, neither of us can remember what you said, but you know what it is? What came through was who you are. You know, I could just tell you were just a like-minded person. I reached out to you and said, buddy, you got to be on the podcast. John, I appreciate that. And the funny thing about that, not just, uh, I'm very, thank you. That's very kind. But I think I only said two sentences in the three days that we were together. <laughs> well, you know what? You're a man of few words, but they have a lot of power. So just uh, everybody can realize that. Well, you know, here's some of the, in your book, Legendary, right? There's so much in here and you and I are so much like-minded, I think, in just our view, our faith, our approach to the world. And what we really dug into deep, and you guys can go back, we're going to kind of revisit some of this, but if you just go back about eight episodes, you'll see my interview with Tommy. We really dug into um, really connecting and living with purpose. What does it take then to take action? And then how do we actually focus on the right things? How do we actually kind of put some of those things in order? And, uh, you know, at the end of that, though, what I shared with Tommy is, you know, what happens is all of a sudden we start getting excited, we look at what can be, and then just life crashes in. And since you and I spoke, coronavirus is hit and all these other things, right? So, I mean, life happens. In addition to external forces, there's all kinds of things that can slow us down, stand in our way, or stop us from becoming the best person that we truly can be, from doing our best work, from really expressing ourselves the way that we were meant to. And so that's really what we're going to dig into. But Tommy, if you wouldn't mind, maybe you could kind of bring us back a little bit to, you know, your thoughts on though really connecting to something meaningful in your life, setting priorities, and then moving into action and kind of what that looks like. Totally. So I believe down into my, the deepest level of my souls that 100% of all human beings on this earth have a purpose. And depending on the season of your life, I believe our purpose changes to depending on the season of our life. And purpose is simply put, it's where we use our God-given talents, but we, we love this particular talent. So something you actually enjoy, which is a God-given talent, and you use that to serve your communities, your fellow humans, or to make this world a better place. And it's the birthplace of fulfillment. It's the birthplace of happiness. You know, if you find yourself whether you're successful or not in life and you're looking up at the stars at night or at a campfire and asking, why am I here? It's because you're still seeking that purpose. And it's sometimes an art and science to find, but just know this, if you don't know what it is right now, you have one and it's just a matter of finding it. So that's kind of going back to what we talked about before. And the next thing is, and this is the tough part, and is now we have to take action on that purpose. 
whether that's inside your current job or career or outside of your current job or career. God willing, you can do both of them together, but if you can't, you can do them separately. But you're always living with core values, your integrity, your principle, and then in service of others. And finally, it's developing those habits, routines, accountability, having that tribe around you so that we can move forward each and every day of our life from the moment, God willing, we open our eyes, which what a gift that is, that we sometimes forget how much of a gift it is, just opening our eyes. And then as we participate during the day in work, in life, in our relationships, in our friendships, in just whatever we do, that every step we take is in purpose, in the name of goodness, in the name of love. And then when we close our eyes at night, say our final gratitude and prayer, and then say, hey, I took action today to make myself and my fellow humans in this world just a little bit better than I found in the day. There is nothing better in life than doing that from day to day to day. It's not easy. It takes time. It is a practice, just like going to the gym. We're not going to be, get fit in one day. This is something we practice, you know, our emotional fortress. That's not what the infomercial said, though. (laughs) No, there is no easy fix. (laughs) That's the only problem with politicians these days on both sides. They're like, you can have whatever you want, and you don't have to do anything for it. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, no, that's really not true. (laughs) Both sides do it, by the way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So any great thing in life, whether it's becoming physically fit, becoming successful in business, is it becoming, you know, the master of your mindset or finding purpose or just literally living life to the fullest. It all takes practice, 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 no matter what the art is. And so I'll stop talking. So that's what we talked about last time. (laughs) No, I love that. Like, you know, it's interesting, you know, you think of back in, you know, the book of John, right? It said Christ came to give us life so that we could live it to the full. Mm. And it'd be interesting question to ask ourselves, right? If, you know, if somebody asked you on a scale of one to 10, 10 being, dude, you're like full life all out. Number one, you're barely hanging on. Like, where would you put yourself? And I've been asking that to some of my clients that are CEOs, business owners recently. And the highest that I've heard recently is five. Oh, wow. Except for one outlier. But here's my question that I, because I'm a huge fan. I'm kind of a simple guy. So I'm a huge fan of small steps. And my, here was my thing is, you know, if I put myself at a five, hey, what would a plus one even look like? What would mm. a six look like even to get there? What would it do for me? What, how would I even know that I kind of went up a tick? And for me, and I want to share this from something you said, is, you know, that purpose. And you talked about it's that place of working in your talents. So I have to really understand my talents and be working in them and understanding them intentionally to find my purpose. And I think that's so wise because what I used to do is get it backwards, Tommy. I I was looking for purpose. It was like this quest that I was on and it was like this buried treasure. I was like, the Holy Grail. Yeah. Like I was like the Knights of Knee. Just, I was, uh, you know, from uh, Monty Python, I was just bumbling around the countryside with, you know, clapping together coconuts. You know what I mean? But here's what I found is, you know, after my accident, there was a time when I'm like, okay, I got to figure out how I'm wired and then I can figure out what I'm wired for. And I was asked a question by my coach and he said, why don't you ask yourself how God wired you and ask him what he wired you for? And I got to tell you that for me was this transformative moment because I stopped looking at who I saw in the mirror and all this stuff that I'd let in. And we're going to talk about some of the stuff that holds us back, limiting beliefs, a false identity. Because remember, we're going to talk a little bit more about this, but an identity, it's all your life experiences. It's what's been said to you by other people. It's what you think other people think about you. 
Now, some of that is true and it's been good feedback. And some of it though, we've run it through our own head and we've accepted in lies about who we are and we've accepted them as truths. But here's what I found is the more I understood my passions, the ones that God put me, those things that kind of light you up, maybe that's not thing you go make money on, right? But just helping somebody or pitching in to do the dishes or watching a sunset or your talents, those things that you just do naturally, you're just, you're good at them. Your skills, these are things that we've learned. Maybe you look at your spiritual gifting. And I, I really believe the more that we understand who we are, that self-awareness and that first step in emotional intelligence. When I started digging into that stuff, Tommy, that sense of purpose, it was almost kind of like the mist cleared and I was able to start connecting to it just so much easier. Love it. I love it. You became aware. Became aware. And the first step in all of this, and it's becoming conscious. Some use the word conscious or the other people use it in faith-based, they call it seeing the light. Mm. In, in layman's terms, that's becoming aware of your thoughts, your actions, your intentions, and the why you do things the way you do. Here's the only problem with awareness, <laughs> is once you know, you can't unknow. And so your heart, your gut, your mind, whether you're happy or sad, when the train starts getting off the tracks and you know you're not going in the way of your purpose and your core values and your integrity and your principles, everything in your body is going to rebel. <laughs> and so when you become conscious, aware, or have seen the light, and so many people these days, you see it in our social media, you see it in our media, when you see the constant guilting until proven innocent principle or the constant judging or anger or fear or division. And, you know, social media and the news is telling me I don't need to like my neighbor, but I keep in my body. I'm like, well, I really kind of like my neighbor. He seems great. No, he's your enemy. He's not your neighbor. That's dark. If you want to know what darkness is, that's what mm -hmm. darkness is. It's all those, that anger, that fear, that division, that envy, that jealousy. And so when you, you say enough is enough, I'm going to cut out that noise and I'm going to figure out who I am, where I'm going, what I stand for, and follow my heart and my gut because they're very connected. What gets in our way is our brains. And our brains are being filled with constant garbage in, garbage out. And so when we stop that and we start investing in ourselves mentally, spiritually, emotionally, with the great coaches, with great readings, with surrounding ourselves with positive people, there's a billion steps that you can do to help us become aware that's when the beauty of life starts happening. That's when you're not blindly driving a ship to nowhere, right? Now we've got focus and clarity and direction, and now it's time for us to take action and go there. Yeah, and so, well, just on that point, right, as you become more self-aware and everything going on, right, I, like I talk about all the time and we do live streams on how to have courageous conversations and creating a safe place for others and be that person that sees the value in every single person to create conversations, which we need to have now. And I'm on a walk, I'm on a hike, because Tommy loves to hike. Indeed. I was on a hike <laughs> in the foothills. And I was thinking about something a politician had said that really just rubbed me the wrong way. And I was, dude, I just like stopped in my track, I was convicted. Because my I had such a critical spirit. Because mm. what God said to me in that moment is, hey, that's my daughter. And I love her and there's good there. And you need to seek and see that even though you might disagree with them, their position, what they're saying, what their, even their agenda is in the moment. And I realized, wow, you know what? 
I am so much more part of the problem than I even realized. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It's so true. Once you know, then you can't unknow. Or you know what? So then you have a choice. Do I live in my integrity? Or am I making a conscious choice to live outside of my integrity? And you know what? We're going to fail at that. But guess time what? Time and time again, actually. Time and time, time, and time again. again. But you know what? We can have a standard of excellence, but we can also give ourselves grace when we mess up. That's right. So we make That's excellence right. the standard and know that we have grace to forgive ourselves and say, okay, what did I do well, even though it doesn't feel like it? What did I learn from that? Just so I can be a better person next time. Because you know what? I really think if we can do what you're talking about, Tommy, and work on ourselves, just a little bit, we can go help other people just a little bit. Imagine if we were all just in society doing that and looking for seeking and seeing the good in other people, even if it's somebody that's sitting across from us that looks like on the surface, like there is nothing we have in common. Values, belief systems, faith. But every time I've ever had a conversation with somebody that I, it felt like that going in, you can always find a wonderful place to connect and have a conversation. It all starts here. You said mm-hmm. so many, you said like 10 powerful things there, but the last <laughs> thing you said, the last thing you said is this, at the end of the day, political differences, skin differences, geographic differences, language differences. You know, we have all these labels in society, but at the mm-hmm. end of the day, we're all human beings and we're all perfect and lovable. And we all want to be seen, heard, loved, valued, and safe seen, heard, loved, valued, and safe. And at the end of the day, we all want to be free as well. And if we can recognize that in that other human being, that it's a valuable, lovable, worthy human being. And if they're saying something outside of our value systems, you said it best is the first thing is to look within ourselves. What are we seeing in them? Why are we being threatened? Is there there a blind spot that we have? Or is it something that maybe they have a blind spot and they're unaware or unconscious of? Hurt people hurt people, by the way. Yeah. And 99.9% of people at the soul level and heart, art level are beautiful people. They've probably been hurt. You don't know what they have going on in their life. There could be some significant outside circumstances that cause them to do and be the way they are. And so that's where the birthplace of empathy and compassion. And I want to flip it around a little bit because you said something truly powerful. It's hard to have love, empathy, and compassion for others when we don't have love, empathy, and compassion on ourselves. We are Mm -hmm. so ridiculously hard on ourselves, especially on our brains. If we talk to other people the way we talk to ourselves, no one would talk to us. (laughs) And so there's a time for grace. And you've got to cultivate this. Again, these are practices because we've been taught otherwise through a lot of different media channels, including from our parents and teachers and other things, unwillingly. Not willingly, but unconsciously. But we have to cultivate that unconditional self-love, self-confidence, self-respect, and help becoming the master of our mindset so that we can truly be compassionate, empathetic, and loving of others. And here's the truth, and this is the last thing that you said that was really powerful, is having grace on ourselves. And so I believe if we're moving more steps forward than we are going backward, we're moving in the right direction because we're human beings. We make mistakes. We have feelings. We have preconserved notions. And so for me, and I'll have a moment of vulnerability for you because I experienced a certain amount of violence, bullying, and certainly abuse as a young boy. When I see that in society or on the street or in a restaurant or on social media, I immediately want to come to the other person's rescue and out bully the bully. 
Mm. Well, that doesn't do anybody. It doesn't definitely doesn't do me, my family, my clients, my dogs, the people that I love any good, you know, two evils don't make a right. And so for me, I have to watch out that because every fiber in my body wants to take up and say, no, you cannot bully this person. And there's a lot of bullying and shaming and division going on right now in a lot of different channels. And so I have to really do my internal work, my prayers, my meditations, my gratitude exercises, talk to my coaches, talk to my peers. And so there's all these tools that I have to help me stay on the tracks and say, look, I had a breach And here. When I do mess up, and I'm not perfect, I'm by no means perfect, is ask for forgiveness, hold myself accountable, but at the end of the day, move forward. Don't sit there and mull in it. Ask for forgiveness, hold myself accountable. If necessary, have someone else hold me accountable and then move forward. And so I just wanted to, you said so many powerful things. I wanted to sum it all up in a bow there. (laughs) Wow. Well, I love it. Let me summarize with the words of the great philosopher, Nicholas Cage. If you label me, you negate me. Mm, that's as good as it gets. So, as good as it gets. But you know, that self-forgetting is interesting. I actually did an interview this morning. You guys might've heard from Cindy Johnson, but she, amazing businesswoman who started a car, big car dealership up here in Fort Collins. And God was working through her life and people actually started coming into the car dealership to make appointments for her to meet with her to do healing, like crazy stories. So she's worked with people, but you know, she said one of the biggest things that blocks her being able to work with somebody from a healing, either spiritual or physical people with like broken femurs walked out, you know, walk out of her showroom was self-forgiveness. She goes, honestly, fear, guilt, in shame Mm. that you just haven't honestly dealt with. And I think people just stuff it down, like being bullied as a kid and you don't bring it up because their righteous anger can move us to good action and get good result done the right way, right? So I think, you know, anybody listening, maybe that's kind of where this conversation, something you guys needed to hear was, is there something that you've just stuffed way down that you think maybe you've dealt with that you haven't? And it might be one of these things that are slowing you down, standing away or stopping. You might not even realize it right now. We can't really solve that on a podcast interview, but maybe there's something that just popped into your head and you can go talk to your best friend, go talk to somebody like Tommy, go talk to a coach, go talk to your pastor, go have a really authentic, real conversation with your spouse you know, step into your prayer closet. I don't know. That just was on my heart to share. Yeah. I love that. May I add on to that? And so the first, and trust me, I've been there. I've carried on some anger and some wounds and some regrets. And for the first 36 years of my life, they anchored me down and literally almost cost me everything twice in my life from being incarcerated as a young man to almost losing my marriage and a, a very, very successful financial career because I wasn't allowing myself to feel and I was burying these angers and resentments and, you know, it's just, it became my own poison. And what used to anchored me down, now I stand on with gratitude. And it's taken a lot of work, a lot of coaching, a lot of mentors, a lot of self-accountability, a lot of investment myself. But what used to really hold me down is now what I stand on with gratitude. I wouldn't be here now if I didn't make that mistake or have that done to me. And I wouldn't be the great human and great person I am today. And why did that happen for me and not to me? But I want people to hear that they're not alone. 
If you've made a mistake or something has happened to you, even the most intimate, raw, vulnerable thing that you've hold inside out of fear or resentment or my God, they'll all think I'm a freak. And I hate that word, but I've heard it time and time again. If you've experienced it, so it's probably a hundred thousand or a million other people. And so if you find that outlet that there's no judgment, there's compassion, there's grace, and you can start releasing that and forgiving yourself and forgiving others and start having compassion and start really looking at it, that it can become the most powerful, powerful weapon in your arsenal for goodness going forward. Because those idiosyncrasies, those mistakes, those fears, those mistakes, those failures, and also those horrific things that might or might not have happened to you, they're all what make you great. And somebody somewhere needs that goodness that you have because of that in their lives. So I want to know that the people that are not are known and someone else needs to hear from you. They do. And when I first got out of the Navy, which was a really hard transition, I, I mean, I was living my dream. I got hit with a softball and I lost my medical and I was out on the street and had to go find a job. Bitter, angry. And a gentleman named Jimmy Head came alongside me to mentor me. He's much older, very successful. And he said, John, there's going to be two things that determine where you're at in five years, in addition to your faith. Because he, he and a group of guys had, are the guys that connected with me, helped me out, and actually led me there first. But he said, first thing is the books you read. He challenged me to start reading and putting good stuff up in my brain. He goes, you know, self-help books, how to win friends, books about positive psychology, marriage books. So he challenged me to read 10 pages a night before I went to bed. He goes, I know you're working 80, 90 hours a week at your job. So I would actually literally stand at night because if I laid in bed with a book open, next thing I knew it was morning. But he also said, John, the other thing is going to be your association, who you spend time with. Now he goes, I'm not telling you to kick your friends to the curb, but I know some of the guys you're hanging out with. And none of those guys are going to help you get through what you need to get through and get where you want to go because none of them have done it. And I don't think from what I'm seeing that they're willing to put in the work because we're talking about change to do it. So he goes, maintain those friendships, but you're going to have to, if you really want to go to a different place, change your association. And I would love to hear from you. You know, you talked about being 36 years old and all this stuff happened. And I look at who you are today and what's on your heart and what you're doing and who you're doing it with. Or what role did your association play in either the transition or your growth since that awareness? To me, it's, it begins and ends there. I will start by starting where your mentor, if people who are not reading and today you can listen to books, you can read mm-hmm. books, you can have them read to you. People who aren't reading are no better than those who can't. And there's so much wisdom and grace and learnings and whatever area in your life you want to be better in from A to Z, there is so much wisdom in books. And I'm talking from modern day books to thousands and thousands of years ago, the the messages and beauty and wisdom are all the same. So I'll start there. So for me, when I made a conscious and willing decision to, okay, enough is enough. I'm going to figure out who I am emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and move forward. You said something powerful. It doesn't mean you don't love all of your friends and even your family members because we all have yeah. some family members that, you know, don't have the best interest for us because they're, you know, darkness likes darkness and they haven't done any of the work. And so what I have found is that as I continue, it's almost like climbing a mountain, John, is when you start doing the deep work and just a little bit per day, you mm-hmm. start climbing this mountain of just pure goodness 
in pure enlightenment and pure light, you become more strong emotionally, mentally, physically, you become more wise. Your voice changes, your shoulders change, your head is up further, and you really start attracting like-minded people into your life. And over time, it doesn't mean I don't love them. doesn't mean I don't want the best things for them. But between you, me, and the walls, you know, they're not going in the same direction I'm going. They're not willing to have the deep, honest conversations. And they don't have the desire for impact that I have. And so for me, who you surround yourself with, and Jim Rohn has said this, I mean, you Mm -hmm. name it. Every wise human being that has walked the earth has said this. And it's so true. You are the five people you spend the most time with. So if you want to be successful, hang out with people who desire and are doing the work to be successful. And guess what? Successful people will come into your life. It's a simple law. It really is. And for me, as you continue climbing that mountain. Yeah, I call it the law of spiritual magnetism. It is. I really do. Yeah. It's beautiful. And it's true. It's the weirdest thing. It's hard to quantify for guys like you and I on this podcast who have experienced in our lives. And here's the truth is darkness loves darkness. And it wants to bring you darkness and it wants to give you pain. And so if you look around and your friends are eat up in judgment or victimhood or jealousy or envy, and we've all got pieces of that. We're not saying we're perfect human beings, but we want to surround ourselves with people who believe there's enough for everybody, who want to be successful, who want to have love, who want to walk in their core values and walk the line to just be a great human being. Those are who we need in our lives. And so Mm -hmm. now I have this army of beautiful humans that are around me every day and they help me get by when the darkness wants to creep its way into my heart and soul. They're there for me, man. And you know, I think it's epidemic right now. Our pastor did a sermon. I think the data was from either 20 or 30 years ago and they'd surveyed Americans, Tommy. And and I think people reported there was a definition of having a close friend. You know, that's the person you can just call at, you know, two in the morning and say, oops, or Hey, need help. Right. And they're there. And I think the average American had six to eight people in that circle. And that research had been redone in the last couple of years. And do you know that the average American only has one or two people? And many people didn't have somebody they felt that they could even make that call to. Mm. So a lot of our, you know, the people that we call friends today aren't the people that we're actually sitting around having meaningful conversations. They're just, they're acquaintances. And I think it's incumbent upon us to actually invest our time, our treasure, our network, our resources into spending time in building those relationships. Start with, you know what, if you're listening right now, write down some of those people that you would consider your wingman, right? Or your bumper buddy or whatever you want to call it and say, hey, could you immediately write down five? And if you can't, guess what? You should be excited to say, okay, well, I'm going to go. Who else can I build a relationship with in my life right now that I can get to that place that we just connect and we can just start having some of these meaningful relationships? I think it's that important that it, that has to be an intentional place where we are taking action in our life. I love that, John. And I would take it a step further is the first thing I would do is have an intentional relationship with yourself mm. is it's hard to completely love, serve, 
and be compassionate and empathetic toward others and wanting that relationship. If we don't have that relationship with ourselves, again, we've got to stop the constant shaming and bullying in our own brain that I'm not good enough. So I'm not worthy that I don't, what if they figure out, I don't know what I'm talking about, or I'm not pretty enough, cool enough, smart enough, rich enough, blah, 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 blah. All of that shame that's in our souls is we've got to start unwinding that. And there's a bazillion tools and, and things. And I talk about them a lot. In my book, Legendary, Brene Brown talks about it. Napoleon Hill talks about it. All the great Jim Rohn, Jesus Christ. I mean, there's just a thousand wisdom out there and people and tools and systems and stop the garbage in and, and start putting the abundance in. So it starts with ourselves. And then it's going to sound kind of way woo-woo. You call it spiritual magnetism. Some people call it the law of attraction. You're literally going to stand and feel different the more you do the work, the more you do gratitude exercises, meditation exercises, prayer, read, go for walks, sit in silence, you know, just start journaling. There's a bazillion things that you can do. But even today, I always want someone on my, I want a wingman. I want, to me, I I work hard at cultivating 15 very intimate, vulnerable relationships. That's my goal. Sometimes I'm a little less, sometimes I'm a little more because, you know, time and life, like you said, it's not if life happens, it's when. But here's the thing. If you can look around and you can see one person that you want to be more intentional about spending time with, Mm -hmm. you're winning. That's one more than a lot of people. However, the reason I said invest in yourself first, as you start feeling different, acting different, holding yourself accountable to difference, Just watch and wait. Patience, patience, patience. That person's going to appear in your life. Now, here's where the courage happens. And I'm very serious about this. When that person appears in your life, say these magic words. I want to be more intentional about nurturing this relationship, cultivating this friendship, and spending time with you. Because life is short. We all need friendships. We all need partners in life. We all need people who are around us that are abundance, that just help us be better. And reach out to that person and be intentional about and have courage because the person's going to want to hear it. And if the person does not want to hear it, that's not the person you want in your life anyway. But say, I want to be more intentional about building a friendship and seeing you more and having more conversations because you're important to me and I hope I'm important to you. And over time, and I can't tell you, I mean, I'm a married straight guy who's been with the same person since 1995. I probably have 15 men a week tell me they love me. And guess what? For the first time in 47 years, every time they say it, I receive it. I feel that. And it is straight goodness to know these men have my back. And they're the first person to kick me in the face when I get out. When I start doing what I need to do. But they've got my back. And if you've got one of those that you have the courage to say, I want to be more intentional about. But if you don't, be patient. The key is to invest in yourself first because all you can do is you. And watch, there's going to be some, some angel miracle that's going to appear and you're going to be like, oh, that's my tribe. And if they're not, I'm telling you, the next person will come. Just keep doing the work internally. So I'll just say that as well. Oh, that's powerful. Well, you know, when I text, like I just texted one, a guy who like you're describing at the end of my text, I'm like, love you, brother. And it's because guess what? I truly love him as a brother. Like we're in a brotherhood, like, you know, like a fraternity brother. Like we are in this together. We got each other's backs. It's not to me and my close friends, it's not like a throwaway saying when we throw out brother, it's like, you know, cause we feel like we're family, Indeed. but I want to bring this back. I'm so glad you brought up about this intentional relation with yourself and something that really highlighted this to me. My son was coming off of 
he has some big expectations of himself playing baseball. And he strikes out for the second time. Mm. And he's having a little tantrum on the way back to the dugout, right? Throws the bat, you know, doesn't throw his helmet, thank goodness. And afterwards, the coach is saying, okay, Matthew, when you were walking back from the home plate to the dugout, what were you saying to yourself? And he started saying the stuff that was going on in his head. He said, let me ask you a question. If any one of your teammates said that to you, would you even hang out with them or be friends? He's like, oh, no, no way. He goes, what if your dad said stuff like that to you? Because I would have been crushed. He goes, so why are you letting yourself talk to yourself that way? He goes, that you are so disrespecting who you were made to be when you allow yourself to talk to yourself that way. And I love that my, his coach said that because it opened up some amazing conversations with my son. But I got to tell you, it was a huge teaching moment for me. I'm like, when do I do that stuff to myself? That like if Tommy, you came and said, hey, John, can I share some feedback with you? And you let me have it the way that I talk to myself sometimes. I'd be like, yeah, I think we're going to take Tommy off that list of 15. <laughs> <laughs> Wise choice, too. <laughs> well, you know what? Because I want people who are not being critical and judgmental. I want people to tell me the truth, but I want them to do it in a spirit of helping me become my best self versus maybe pushing me down or maybe proving a narrative or making themselves look better, if that makes sense. 100%. And you also said, you know, be more intentional about cultivating our friendship. If you're thinking that sounds, boy, that's pretty cool. Imagine if somebody came up to you. What if Tommy called you and said, hey, Bob, you know, I've really enjoyed talking with you. I want to be intentional about cultivating this friendship. There's something about you. You're important to me. I just really want to be in conversation. How you would feel that is so, think about how just edifying and affirming that is to somebody else. And all of a sudden, guess what? They're going to they're gonna respond. So I'm so glad you shared that because you just gave people a doorway to open up to say, hey, who is that person? When I'm around them, I just feel better. I see how they live their life. And I would like to be a little bit maybe more like them and have them sewing into my life. And Tommy just gave you a way to just open the door. I can't imagine somebody saying, no, I'm good. <laughs> and if they do, that's where they are. And that's not your person anyway. Yeah, remember, so it's just where they are. Yeah, good point. So some of the things, you know, that we've talked about, right, our association, our self-talk, understanding, you know, really who we are, our talents, our values, our passions, kind of putting yourself in that vulnerable place of opening yourself up to intimacy with other men or other women, whatever it happens to be, right? A lot of those come from kind of our mindset and identity areas, right? Those things that I think block us from maybe really moving into that, or you hear some of these and you're like, you said, that feels weird. Right. What are some of those mindsets that you've seen people you've worked with that they've had to move through to keep going? So, John, the first thing I want to say is if I cut off on you, it's terrible fire and brimstone outside right now. So I'm hoping my power stays on through this. I just want to share that with you and the audience. I mean, it is coming down in buckets five feet from where I'm sitting. <laughs> really? I can't hear a thing. Uh, you got a thunder and lightning and trees blowing. I'm like, here we are. You know, here we are thousands of miles apart and we're still rocking. So if I lose you, forgive me. Okay. Uh, but let me, A, first be very clear. It's not just my clients, whether it's a group format, a mastermind format, one-on-one -on -one, or virtual. It's me. So all of us struggle with some form of unconditional love for ourselves. 
all of us struggle with forms of shame. And I'll explain what shame is in a second. And all of us struggle with the unworthiness, the good enoughs, the pretty enoughs, the successful enoughs, the I am not enoughs. That's part of that shame. So I've got guys in my docket that I'm helping right now that have net worths in nine digits still struggle with relationships and intimacy with their wives and kids Mm -hmm. still struggle with receiving love, unconditional love for ourselves still want to be the best leader and human they can be, but they're stuck. They get stuck in these patterns, behaviors, beliefs, mindsets. And so the first thing, again, I want to say it time and time again, because I don't think we as a society do enough is you are not alone. You are not different. Your fears are not different. Your insecurities are not different. And once you realize that you're not alone, I hope that you hear this six foot two big alpha guy on the other side of this microphone telling you you're not alone. And I've been there. I'm still there. I work on it every single day. I belong to a mastermind. I have a coach. I do my journaling. I do my readings. I do my prayers. So that's the first thing I want to say. But all of us on some level carry an amount of shame and because of all of the noise that comes into us on a daily basis from our news feeds to our social media, to our 24 hours news, to our souls can't handle it. We can't handle just the constant negativity, division, fear, anger, what's happening in Syria. We're literally not able to deal with that at the soul level. And it causes us to fear. It causes us to get angry. It causes us to judge, but let me step back before there unconsciously, and it's probably not malicious, is we've been taught these things from our parents, our news, certain pastors, certain teachers, that we strive for this thing, we've got to be perfect. Knowing no human being on earth, with the exception of one, has been perfect. And so we struggle with this thing in our head of trying to be perfect. Then we turn on our social media And everybody puts their Instagram fabulous picture out there. They put their Facebook. They're not talking about the fight they just had with their kid or wife. They're not just talking about the, or some of them want to talk about politics, but that's just pain wanting to be pain. But, you know, we're constantly inundated with this fear, this anger, this division. And I'm going to sum it up the shame. So guilt, John, as I come and I punch you. Well, that's not in my integrity zone. I don't want to punch you. John's a great man. That I feel guilty. Because I need to feel guilty. I have done something wrong outside of my, and I need to hold myself and be held accountable to that. Shame is I am wrong. And there's these thousands and thousands and thousands of little bitty noise particles and what people say and some bullying that's happened to us and all this negative garbage that gets in. And we start thinking I'm not enough. We start second guessing ourselves. And that's where that voice inside of our head that just when your son was walking off that, he's calling himself every single thing in the world except a human being. Right. And being perfect. And he just embarrassed himself. And man, I should be playing for the Red Sox right now. That's shame. That's shame. Mm-hmm. And so we all carry it. And I'm telling you this. I've got, again, very, very wealthy people and people just getting started out in their life. We all carry it in some form or another, and it shows up in our businesses, our careers. It shows up in our relationships. It shows up in every single facet of our life. The first key is knowing we're not alone. And the second thing, we're so many things we can do to unwire that. And so 100% of the people that come into me for one-on-one coaching and or join one of my masterminds, 100% of them struggle in some capacities in their relationship with their significant others and their friendships and or family. 100% 
So let's just get that off the table. Enough with all the I'm important mask, I'm cool mask, I never make a mistake mask, blah, I'm funny mask, all these masks because we don't want people to really see us. 100% of the people that walk through this door struggle in some form of relationship with somebody. 100% of them struggle with full, unconditional love, self-respect, self-confidence. 100% of them. And you see that person that just acts like they're so arrogant and act like they got it all together. Arrogance is just a form of insecurity. Humility and saying I haven't figured it out and I don't have all the answers and I'm not perfect, that is the birthplace of genius. And so we all struggle with unconditional love. And finally, we all struggle with our mindsets because we're constantly being inundated with fear, division, envy, jealousy. We deal with elements of shame. And so that voice inside our head, I call it Ike. I used to call it the Tommy go round. Actually, I'll just call it both the Tommy go round and Ike. That's just in my brain saying, <laughs> you fool, you're dumb. You're not cute. And you know, during COVID I gained some weight. Look at you in the mirror. It's still there. And I'm brother. I practice this craft hours right. a day and then I go teach it for hours yeah, a day. If you're I so undisciplined, you're going to gain nine or 10 pounds. How do you think you can go, you know, lead a movement or go speak to 10,000 people or whatever, right? Exactly. Okay. So here's a question for, right? Like, so this stuff does, it comes in constantly and a lot of, you know, and there's, and if you look at our brains and how our brains are wired, right? We have something in there called the hippocampus. And if there's been anything that's come in, that's been repetitive, your brain's a machine. It's actually unbelievable, right? And it's associated with passion and purpose and emotion, especially if it's been repeated. Now, this could be good or bad. You are just front loaded into some of these thought patterns. And here's just a way this kind of works. If you ever walked into like a networking meeting and seen somebody there, you get introduced to them and your instant reaction is like, Ugh. like you don't like them. I don't know. It could be like, you know, I'm wearing a Red Sox shirt and I got gray hair and blue eyes and I'm a white guy. You might like, I'll guarantee you if we go back far enough, there is stuff in there that somebody that either looked like them, had that facial feature, or had that tone of voice, did something that embarrassed you, caused you, mm. you know, mental, physical pain. I don't know. You might have pushed it down. But so the brain is constantly operating. And I think, you know, I'd love your thoughts on this because, you know, what you're talking about here, right, is I think realizing that, A, we're human, Right. And that, guess what? I love that you said, right. We're not alone. Like everybody who, you know, who's doing great things is still struggling with this stuff right now as we speak. So, you know, I can't say get over it, although that would be the easy thing to do. But I think if you just realize lean in, yeah, get over it, lean in, lean in and say, <laughs> okay, I'm going to take this on. Right. Where did that come from? What, why did I walk off? Like my son, why did he walk off the mound? And say, you know what? You're terrible. Why are you doing this? Why are you pursuing the MLB? You just embarrassed yourself. And I actually just read The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. And then I, so I went and read that with my son. It's not about your performance in the moment. If you really make the MLB in 10 years from now, does your, that one at bat even matter? Mm -hmm. So can we shift your perspective on what's the purpose of that at bat? Is it to impress the team? Or is the purpose of that a bat for you as you're getting up in, you know, experience to understand how to handle an 88 mile an hour curveball, which you've never seen before? Is this a place where you're going to test yourself and you're going to learn? It's not about failing. It's actually about taking the outcome and saying, what did I do well and what did I learn from it so that next time 
Because if you can focus on where you're going versus what's happening in the moment, and a lot of these things are about our mindset. Are we just focused on, you know, who are we trying to impress? Whose voice are we listening to? And digging into really our identity and closing that gap between our real self and our true self. But I'd love your thoughts on that too, because this is such a, such a meaningful conversation, Tommy. I think, uh, let me start here. All of that. So I think we want to be seen, heard, loved, and valued so badly by everybody mm. else and look good in all phases of our lives, no matter what we're doing, that we are so hard on ourselves when we don't meet our quote standards, our expectations of this perfectionism. And we're putting our happiness, our fulfillment, our life, our movement forward in the hands of people who aren't thinking about us anyway. And even that person who does throw a mean word or a judgment or criticism, you know, five minutes from then, they're not even going to be thinking about you because they don't have their own stuff. And so we all have our own issues in our own life and our own stuff that we're dealing with. And so the key is this, is we put our happiness and our validity on all of these external things. And I'm going to just give you a few of them. And I'm going to say a very powerful, but very difficult to hear statement in just a second. Our careers, our jobs, our reputation, whether or not we're a good hitter, the house that I live in, what people think of me, my career. I'm just thinking of a few, what people think. And here's the even sadder parts. Sometimes we put our validity and happiness in our family and our kids and everything else. Here's the truth that every single one of those things I just named, and this is sad, can be taken away from us in a matter of seconds. Mm -hmm. Whether we do it ourselves, someone else does it, or something happens that's completely out of our control. And I'm going to say this. The truly only thing in our power, the only true power we have on this earth is the power of choice and the choices over our mindset, our attitudes, and the choice to stand on our principles. And so I'm going to give you some tools to start helping. We've got to stand on our purpose, our principles, and our core values, and we've got to start unwiring our hearts and minds to put our happiness, fulfillment, peace of mind, and who we are out there in the hands of them, whoever they are anyway, and bring it back to a strong fortress of our own house. Yeah. So, the tyranny of they, right? The tyranny of they mm -hmm. start first, figure out who you'd fight for and what you'd fight for. That's your core values, you know, and why you keep asking the word, why, who is this? And hopefully one of those things is yourself, then find your purpose. And if every single day you live by this core value statement, knowing you're human and you're going to make mistakes and every day you seek to find this purpose and live in this purpose with core values and you do the unwiring in your heart and soul and all the things I'm talking about right here, take less than 30 minutes to an hour. If you do an hour, you're going to be a pro here in a year. If you do 30 <laughs> minutes a day, you're going to be super, super good. But you start working on forgiveness exercises, gratitude exercises, prayer, surrounding yourself with positive and abundant people who are going in the direction you're going with. Fill your heart and soul with every great book and journal. And I, all of that I just said, and you also got to take care of your physical fortress so that there's some working out in there. If you spend an hour a day on yourself, the dividends that'll pay for you in 365 days, I can't even describe them to you. I can't do 10x, 100x, a million x. It'll be so profound because then you're not standing on them or they or shiny objects or things that can be taken away from you in seconds. 
you're standing on your choices, your mindset, and we're not going to be perfect. We're going to have good days and bad days, but I promise you, you're going to have more good days than not. That was a lot. <laughs> that was a lot, John. Well, I'm sitting here writing notes because I don't envy the people probably listening to this while you're out for a run or maybe driving in your car right now. Cause I've, this is probably the, the I don't know, about four pages of notes here, <laughs> but you know, I love what you said here. I just want to read this, right? This power of choice that we have, and it's the choice to live into our purpose, principles, or values. That power of association is so important in that area for me, because guess what? Like one of the things I did after my, I mean, talk about things be taken away in an instant. It was eight years ago that I should have been dead. That was literally a horse bolted off. And within a few seconds, I should have been dead. And our, our entire life, our entire family, everything changed in an instant. I mean, our finances were taken away. My health was taken away. Relationships, I mean, gone. But one of the things I did, Tommy, just as an example of this, I went back and I, well, when I was laying there in the hospital bed, I was, when they came in to do my first brain surgery, what I heard was from the doctor, even though God just told me he was going to save me, the doctor says, you're going, you know, he doesn't think I'm going to survive the surgery. So he leaves the room and I'm, I'm actually playing the whole videotape of the funeral. I was convinced that next weekend was my funeral. And they always say all these nice things at the front of the church. And I said, okay, what would they say a year or two later? Let's say people that really knew me. And guys like Tommy said, yeah, you know, good guy, but you know, he kind of compromised his values anymore, but I don't really gossip. So I just don't talk about him. Right? Powerful. Powerful. Here's what I did though. I, I wrote an obituary. I said, this is when it does happen. Cause I got this second chance. This is what I want my wife to say. This is what I want each of my boys to say. Here's what I want my best friends to say. This is what I want my clients to say if they were there speaking. And I have not shared that with my wife, that obituary, but I did share it with some of my closest friends because what's in there is my purpose, my principles, my values, the way that I want to live my life. And I gave them permission to call me up and say, hey, one of the things you wrote in there, John, is you want Donna to always feel like the most loved woman in the world. Does she feel that way today? And there's some days when my friend calls, I'm like, he better call today because we're doing good. And he calls next week and then he's like, hi, how's Donna doing? I'm like, oh man, let me call you back. I need to go apologize for something because I'm an idiot. But you know what? When you start sharing some of that stuff with other people that you are doing life with, man, talk about taking that hour a day that you're working on yourself and it's like putting it in an accelerator when you're bringing that out in your prayer life and into the men and women that you're, that are in your world that are, I would also say that that group, that association you really want to be around are people that are also doing what you just heard Tommy talk about. They're working mm -hmm. on themselves also, right? hundred percent. And it's compound interest. Mm -hmm. And for the non-financial people, please look that up. It's a simple concept. The interest pays interest on the interest and it. Instead of going up one plus one equals two, one plus one over time will equal a thousand. And that's in all phases of your life. Just simple steps every day, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically, a small step of investing into someone else, a small step of 
showing moments of gratitude to others and serving others, just little things, every they compound and add up so exponentially. And those are big words I know. So I hope most folks are following that, but. Well, as a um, pilot, if you could keep it to two syllables, I'd really appreciate <laughs> I'm it. I'm the man. same way, but I'm a former, <laughs> you know, financial consultant. So those are the words I speak, but you know, a dollar today, you know, invested properly could be worth a million tomorrow. And that goes with every little small mm-hmm. action you take to be a little bit better, but it starts always with intention and investment with yourself. So Tommy, how do people find you, connect with you? How do people get in touch with you? I love it. First thing I'll say is everything we talked about today, and I get real vulnerable, raw, and honest, and so does some of the people that I look so up to. Everything we talked about today is in my book, Legendary, mm-hmm. and I'm um, so very thankful it's become a USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestseller because it's honest, it's raw, it's authentic, and it's got a billion simple tools in there that you can do. And so I'm going to say that. You can get that at your favorite bookstore. For those of you who are traveling, the airport, it's just out there in all formats. So I want to say that first because I'm so very, it's three years of my soul, blood, and sweat. and It's got every ounce of my heart in it that I can put into it. You can find me on any social media channel known to man at Tommy Breedlove on Instagram. I'm all over Facebook. I'm all over LinkedIn. I'm constantly putting out tools and systems, whether it's money, finance, business, mindset, love. We're just putting light out into the world. And I hope you follow me. It's something we work very hard on. I write daily for that. And then my unbelievable team finds the right time to post it. Uh, and finally, if you go to my website, because I'm in the Southeast United States, I'll, I'll spell this. You go to TommyBreedlove.com forward slash gifts. That's G I F T S. We're going to give you the financial confidence and freedom chapters. Cause a lot of people are struggling that right now in these weird times that we're in. And I'm also going to give you the mastering your mindset chapters. And so those chapters, if you like the flavor and you like my voice and you like how I write, those are the chapters that'll help you with all these things we're talking about, mastering your mindset and building that financial confidence so that you can go out and serve and impact others better. And as a free, I don't really don't tell people this, but you'll also get, I'll give you my purpose and core value statement. We talked a lot about standing on your own two feet in solid grounds. I hand you my purpose and core value statement and then a tool sheet so that you can go build your own. And so that's tommybreedlove.com forward slash G-I-F-T-S and gifts. I hope I can say that because I am from Atlanta. (laughs) Some people don't understand what I'm saying. (laughs) And so just super grateful to be here. And I've got to say this, I was a, I came from very, very humble beginnings. And if I can unwire my heart, my soul, my emotions, anybody can do it and uh, just love and be kind to each other. And I'm just so, so grateful and happy to be here, John. I'm just so thankful for you. Oh, thank you for you too, man. Thank you for uh, just a needed conversation, a wonderful conversation. And I just really encourage people to connect with Tommy, read this book, work on yourself, those things that, you you know, we have choice, right? And I would love to hear from everybody that you, you just found that one person in your life that you just want to intentionally spend more time with because there are somebody that's, moving in the direction you want to go and just share with me what a blessing that is. Cause I know as soon as you step into that, man, just that right there could just be that you look back and say, that was a transformational moment when you heard Tommy share that, right. And you took that into action. So thanks buddy. Man, so love you. Love you, brother. Same to you. Love you back and love all of you guys. I really do. <laughs> Receive that. Hopefully you received it. <laughs> Boom. All right. So we're both six foot two dudes. Big dudes. Big dudes. dudes. <laughs> Signing off, but we're here for you. And man, just keep knocking them alive out there. 